a free church. So when the scripture says where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, there's liberty. And so you see back here this freedom reset. It's not about politics. It's not about what's happening in the White House or the, the stock market. It's about a reset in the church to be a presence-driven church that is able to walk into not just church, is able to walk into your job, is able to walk into a store, is able to walk into a relative's holiday party and shift the environment. How many want to be able to do that? Amen. Father, help us by the Holy Ghost. We can't do this in our own strength, but I thank you today for revelation, information, inspiration, but most of all, transformation. Father God, renew our minds, open the eyes of our heart, and flood them with light. Let us see and know like never before the true, authentic, foundational truths of why we worship, Father. I thank you for this series. You're going to transform the church. And I thank you we are a presence-driven church full of the life of God and the power of God. And Holy Spirit, we welcome you to do whatever you want to do. Because whoever finds God finds? Wow. Wow. How many are ready? I know Joey's ready. Look, he's got his hand on the string ready to go. Wow. In his presence is fullness of joy. Hey, you, you, are, you are deeply loved. You are highly favored. You are God's church. You are strong in the Lord and the power of his might. And I'm telling you right now that something special is going on here in Pittsburgh at Grace Life Church. And it's about to erupt, not just through a church, but through people. Hey, we got our Spanish missionaries from Barcelona, Spain. Stand up. Girls, stand up. Stand up. You're part of that family. We got them for two weeks. We've been, had connections with them for 15, 16, 17 years. And, and they're here for two weeks chilling, finding out what's next for them. And so we're excited about what God's doing. Amen. Thank you guys for being here. We got my, my niece. Delaney, stand up, Delaney. Let's go. She slept for about an hour, huh? Your plane was like mine, super late, huh? Well, good to have you here. We love you. And everybody else, we want you to know we love you. How many God's love changes everything? Well, let's jump into this. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty, there's freedom. Uh, the, the message God told me to bring, and you know, you, you say, what do you do? My wife asked me, what do you do when, when you study the word and when you haven't preached in a few weeks? What happens is you get this, uh, you get this 50 million sermons and you got to break it down. So you got to throw things out and get rid of stuff because you, you only got 35 minutes. So we're, we're going to try to do our best. But I want you to understand that our freedom didn't come cheap. Our freedom cost the blood of men and women we live in one of the great the greatest nation on the face of the earth and i know no one wants to shout about that but i'm going to say it again thank you nick wiskowitz for this shirt usa soccer team he bought it for me so thank you nick wherever you're at and how many love nick pastor nick pastor joey come on we got some great men of God, Pastor Matt. Come on. We just got some great team effort. And so how many know it's all right to be patriotic? 
and, and I didn't say political, I said patriotic. And the problem is when we have people that aren't excited about what they, where they live and what God's done for them, they kind of lose their worship. They kind of lose their joy. They kind of, yeah, we're not special. This place isn't special. But this place was forged in what? 1776, July 4th, a declaration of independence that as the world would know tyranny and taxation and issues and, and domination and, and then men of God would break away by the Spirit of God and come to a new land and say, let's break away and let's have freedom. Let's break away from tyranny of men trying to control us. How many know we need to keep that spirit of freedom alive? Come on, give a shout. The last day hope is not the government, it's the church. So we need to get fired up. But I love this. As they absolved from the allegiance of the British crown and all political connection between them and the state of Great Britain and is ought to be totally dissolved and the free independent states of this new colony to have full power to levy war, conclude peace, contract alliances, establish commerce, to do all the acts and the things which by independent states may rightfully do for the support of this declaration listen to these words with a firm reliance on the protection of the divine providence this is of god do you realize that these men were of god they didn't come here because they felt something they came here because they believed something we mutually pledge to each other our lives our fortunes in our sacred honor. Our nation was forged in the fires of great sacrifice and great blood. How many are grateful? Okay, we got 30 people. How many are grateful? How many are really, really grateful? Shout if you're grateful. If we lose that, which many people are, if we just lose that gratitude, God inhabits the praises of his people. He said, enter his gates with thanksgiving, enter his courts with praise. And so as I look at this, I think, okay, God, what are, what are you talking about? And so there's so much to this, but I, want, I just want to start today with the foundations of worship, the foundations of worship for our freedom. If we're going to have a reset, we got to go back and figure out what this is all about. What God did in our hearts when we got saved. What God did in our hearts when we realized we're Americans. What God did in our hearts when we realized that we stand out. That he made us to be givers and, and worshipers and pioneers and people that would have such sacred honor that we would sacrifice. Write this definition down, sacrifice. And I, I looked at many different definitions, but I like this one the most. Giving up something we love for something we love even more. What's sacrifice? See, mothers will make 50, 60, 80, 100 grand a year to go help the husband with their career. But then when those babies come, they'll say, do I want the 100 grand in the career Many people choose that. But some, some, some mothers, some ladies, my wife said, 
I'm not, I'll, I'll help out at the church, but I'm not working for money when God gave me three world changers to raise. Now, you might think that's, that, that's not, but, but you say, I'd rather live without and have a mother over these beautiful children than send them off to a place. See, the reality is sacrifice involved in everyday life. You know, some people said, I can work overtime and make so much money on Sunday. But God says, that's the Sabbath. That's the Lord's day. So I give up something I can have tangibly, monetarily, financially. I give that up for the will of God because I love God more. I love his word more. I love his house more. I'm not fickled. I'm not full of my emotion and my mental understanding and my feelings but I'm led by my spirit because I'm worshiping him in spirit and in truth from the heart. That takes sacrifice. What's this look like? I love what David said in Samuel 24, 24. And the king said unto Arana, nay. In other words, what, what, what's talking about here is the king said, you know, I'm just going to give you this. I'm going to give you this property. I'm going to give you this cave to bury your dead. I'm going to give you something for free. And David makes this statement. Listen to the attitude of sacrifice. But I will surely buy it of thee at a price. Neither will I offer burnt offering unto the Lord my God, that which cost me nothing. David bought the fresh fleshing floor and the oxen for 50 shekels of silver. You know, sometimes people want something for free, and that's all right. But how many know David said, I'm not going to look around and find the cheapest thing I have to give to God. I want to give something that costs me something. That's what worship's all about. It's all about sacrifice. The foundations of this sacrifice, I'm going to give you this story, and I think this is going to help you because it's the foundation, the first time we ever see the word worship in the Bible. What's it look like, Pastor? It comes from a, a gentleman that made these, these declarations of faith, and his name was Our Father Abraham in Genesis 22. And l- let me give you a little foundational truth to Abraham. Abraham came out of Ur of the Chaldees. His dad was an idol worshiper, idol maker, idol builder. He said, Abraham, get out of your father's house and go for yourself to the place I will show you. And I will take care of you and I will bless you and I will make you a blessing in you. All the generations of the earth will be blessed. And it says, and Abraham believed God and it was counted unto him as righteousness. How many know when we trust God, that's what makes us righteous, not our abilities. So when we hear these stories, you know the story of Romans 4 and you know the, 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 the life of Abraham. But again, I want to pull back into it so you can see the foundational truths here. God gave Abraham a son after 25 years. 75, he says, Abraham, I'm going to give you a promised child. His name's going to be Isaac. And you know some of the story. But the details of this are he didn't have a child right away. He had to believe God. He had to believe God at 76, 77, 78, 79, 80, 89, 89, 90, 94, 95, still no kid. 100 years old. You say, why did God do this specifically? Because he put it out of the range of any ability in the flesh to make it happen. Why is it such a miracle? Because there is no possibility. 75, little bit. 80, no, 90. It's getting away to where there's no chance. 
When there's no chance in the natural, guess what happens? God says, there's no chance, but now there is a chance because I'm God. So he gets them totally out of there, gives them his beautiful son at 100 years old. Isaac turns up the promised son. We waited. God's promise was 25 years ago, and now we have a child. How many know the promise of God are yes and amen? And it might not happen tomorrow, the next day, the next day, but if you keep believing and keep standing, God's promises always come through. I love what Joshua and Caleb said. I've been young and I've been old and I've never seen the righteous forsaken their seed begging bread. But what Joshua and Caleb said was this. They said, I am 80 years old and my faith is as strong at 80 as it was as 40. They had to wait 40 years for the promise. But God always honors his word. So when I look at this, I go, this is where God starts. And, and Abraham's having this glorious life because he has this relationship. Worship and sacrifice... Sometimes we talk about just praise God, just praise God. Nobody gets it. And they just stand back there in the worship service, tap their foot. But they don't really meditate on, think about, and have gratitude toward all the good things that God has done. So Abraham had this spirit of worship. If you, if you don't believe it, look at Romans 4 where he says, And Abraham staggered not at the promise of God. But he grew strong in faith and gave glory and worshiped and praised to God. There's a key to the foundation of our lives. The key to our father in the faith. And so here's what God tells him, Genesis 22. This great thing happened. I got this beautiful son. Biblical scholars say he, he, he had his bar mitzvah. He was about 13. And God tells him, ready? Here's what God does. He says, Verse 1, and it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham. And sometimes you hear this Old Testament lingo. It's, it's just, you could say the 70s TV commercial, beep, this is only a test. This, how many know your faith and your life and your development is all about testing? Some of y'all are in the same place you were 20 years ago because you haven't passed the test. There's all kind of tests. There's humility tests. There's giving tests. There's, there's integrity tests. There's character tests. There's, there's all kinds of tests. There's faith tests. There's trials. There's tribulations. And, and don't get mad because what the devil meant for bad, God always turns around for good. And he turns your test into a testimony. He turns your mess into a message. That's what God does when we stay in faith. So God did tempt or test Abraham, and he said unto Abraham, Behold, here I am. How many know just that right there? How many know God's voice? God said something. Here I am. Go to Pittsburgh. Here I am. Marry that lady. Here I am. Do this. Here I am. That's, that's what God's looking for, people that know him, people that are able to hear his voice. Abraham was really good at this. He said, now, 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 now. I don't know, the Bible doesn't include all the details, but after this relationship he has with Abraham, now, you know that 13-year-old boy? <laughs> I promised you I would give you. It took 25 years. Now it's 13, so it's 35, 36, 37, 38. 38 years. Take your son, your only son, whom thou lovest, and get thee to the land of Moriah. Offer him up as a burnt offering on the mountain to which I will tell thee. Now, I don't know about you, but I would have a conversation with my wife. Uh, firstborn, male, gay, we're going to go kill him today. 
We're going to sacrifice my firstborn, but he's the only son. There's no Judah. There's just one, Isaac. Go take your son and lay him down. And, and, and you've got to understand Old Testament. See, if you don't understand the Old Testament, you won't get a revelation of the new. Old Testament was bloody. It was gory. There was animals and oxen and sheep and turtle doves. There was blood sacrifice continually. When you go to Israel and you walk into those places and you see the laver and you see the temple and the most holy place, animals were dying. That temple was a place of death. You would hear animals cry. You would hear animals raised right outside the temple. People would buy them, take them, and sacrifice them. See, the Bible says without the shedding of blood, there is no remission for sins. So in order to obtain forgiveness, something had to die. Something blood had to be shed so that sins could be covered and done away with. Take your son, I want you to give him. So Abraham knew the covenant language even when God called him. He made a figure eight, cut a covenant, split an animal in half. He knew covenant language. So he says, take your son. But it's interesting to me, he, he didn't pray about it. Didn't say, I don't feel led. Didn't say, I think God called me to another church. I'm not hanging out here today because I'm not getting fed. He, he didn't say that stuff. He just left. I don't think he talked to his wife. I don't have scripture to prove it, but I, I think if you talk to your wife, say, we're going to kill our son that we believe God for, she'd be like, hold up, wait a minute, something ain't right. Right? I mean, just for the mental conversation. No, no, no. So what's Abraham do? Look at this direct obedience. Offer him as a burnt offering on the mountain that I will tell you. Abraham got up early in the morning. He saddled his ass. He took the two young men with him. Isaac, his son, he claved the wood for the burnt offering and he rose up and he went to the place which God had told him. Someone say sacrifice. Someone say, I understand what sacrifice is. By the way, that's a word in American culture that's gone away. No one wants to sacrifice. Actually, a young generation wants everything you have at 55. They want it now. They don't understand delayed gratification. They love credit cards. They love Venmo. They love Cash App, Apple Pay. Because you get it. Gloria called me the other day. Dad, what's up? I'm in the airport. I need some money now. I said, whoa, 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 whoa. Dad, I don't have time to talk. Oh, she got me again. <laughs> Talking about money, man. But, but she's in a, in a pickle because she's got to get through TSA and all this. And that, so she caught me at a weak point. And, and, and I'm like, just whatever. Just go do what you need to do, right? But, but see, there's a generation that, that it's hard to understand faith because faith does the right thing when it doesn't see any results. Faith does the right thing when it can't see what's really happening. It doesn't focus on the temporal. It focuses on the eternal. You see with the eye of faith. So he just obeyed God's voice. He went to obey God. He said, and he went unto where God told him. And then Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. That's the place I'm going to get to kill my son. I'm going to sacrifice my son. Abraham said unto the young men, now, this is interesting. This really helped us with the series. And this might help some of you too. Abide ye here with the ass. One translation says, stay here with the asses. How many know some people just for years stay with the asses? How many want to be known as that person who's got to stay with the asses? Because you're a non-worshipper. 
non-worshippers end up staying with the asses because they're not going to understand what's going to take place on the mountain. People that don't understand God's character have to stay with the asses because they don't know what's going to happen up there. God didn't want them to see that. They're just an everyday church person who checks the box, but they're not a seven-day week worshiper. Don't take any check-the-box people with you. Take someone who's an authentic worshiper who really understands the character of God. Because when God tells you to kill your only son, there's a reason behind it. He didn't ask you to say. He said, just obey. When God asked you to give your tithe, he didn't ask you to question it. He said, just obey. When God asked you to lay hands on the sick and witness to the hurting and lost people, he didn't ask you to just question, but to obey and say. It's interesting how God works. We have to trust his word and what he said. He says, stay here with the ass. The lad and I, Isaac, will go yonder. First word ever in the, in the old covenant. What's he say? The lad and I will go yonder. What were they going to do? We're going to go and worship. Now, you, you, you as the New Testament church go, did he do the, the old 1980s weird dance? Did he just clap? Did he bring flags? Did he break dance? No, 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 no. No, no. Did he blow the shofar? People, I'm like, there's some things in the word that say that do clap your hands on your people. Shout unto the Lord with a voice. There's a lot of truth to that. But remember, this is the first word where worship appears. The boy and I will come to you again. We're going to go on the mountain and we're going to worship. The most practical revelation of this word is we're going to obey what God's word says to do. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We're not going to be just hearers of the word. We're going to be quick doers of the word. So you see people in the church, they just stand here because they think worship is the stage in America's for entertainment. But the altars where things die. I want you to hear that. The stage in America is for entertainment. The church has screwed it up a little. We want to be entertained. No, I want to participate. The altar is a place where things fall off you. The altar is a place where, what's the Bible tell us? I am crucified, Galatians 2.20, with Christ. Nevertheless, I don't live, but Christ liveth in me. And the life that I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. This is a place of kneeling. This is not a place of strutting. This is not a place of position where I get the drum and I'm somebody. It's a place of death. This, this, this isn't, Pastor, you just love to preach. This is not fun sometimes. This is a place of death. This is a place where you die to your opinion, where you die to what you feel, your feelings. You die to your emotions. You die to whatever it is in your life so that Christ can be seen and heard, so that he in me can decrease and he can increase. Come on, say increase. increase. So, so, so check this out. Stay here with the ass. The yon, lad and I will go yonder. We're going to worship. Just put this in your notes. Worship is a lifestyle of obedience. Praise is a lifestyle of obedience. Remember the Old Testament where David did everything 
right until he fell into sin with Bathsheba and he murdered somebody and he messed up. Saul looked like he did everything right on the outside, but the inside, he kept the sacrifice, the oxen, the fatlings, the people. He disobeyed God. God said, obedience is better than sacrifice. Obedience is better than sacrifice. Oh, pastor, we had good music. There's so many churches that had good music. Seemed like everything went well. It's great. But obedience is better than sacrifice. God, God's saying a true life of worship is you can come to the church on Sunday and praise and shout a little bit and lift your hands. But are you following the will of God? I told Gloria I got some great time with my daughter, and I just, we sat there and talked. It's so cool when your 23-year-old adult daughter is hungry for God. And I said, Gloria, we do the will of God. And I gave her the Father's Day message. Our meat is to do the will of him that sent me and finish the work. We don't focus on the temporary. We focus on the eternal. It's not about all that stuff you see. It's not about Insta. It's not about a post. It's not about, it's about the eternal, not the temporal. Get your focus off the temporal. Get back to a heart of worship. A life of obedience. My meat is to do the will of the Father that sent me and finish his work that he called me to. Because you know what? There's nothing else you're going to be standing accountable to God for. He's going to say, did you obey me? Did you do what I asked you to? Nobody wants to shout and clap, but we want to be entertained. We want to hear our ears tickled. That was a good sermon. That really, that jive, that made sense, but... But the reality is God said, are you obedient to my will and my word? I want to hear, well done, thy good and faithful. Not you were tripped up with addiction. You were tripped up. You weren't a bad person, but you were just tripped up, not serving the God, not worshiping God, not obeying, not hearing his voice and not doing his will. I want our church, everybody here to get to hear what I want to hear. Well done, thy good and faithful. Isn't that what we're living for? To please the audience of one. But listen to what he says. He said, And Abraham took the wood, the burnt offering. He laid it upon Isaac, his son. So the son was carrying the wood that was going to burn him and offer him. He took the fire in his hand and the knife, Abraham. And they went both together. Isaac spake unto Abraham, his father. And listen to what he says. Father, here I am, my son. He asked him, behold, the fire and the wood. But where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Here's, here's where Abraham becomes a father in the faith. Here's where I watched a mother and a father say, God, we're raising four children. Moved from Tulsa, Oklahoma. Believe in God for a house and a job. But God, we give our tithe first. We're not worried about food. We're not worried about house, clothes. You take care of all that. We are kingdom first people. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things will be added unto you. So, so this is the kingdom of God. This is about obedience. And he says, where is the lamb? Where is the burnt offering? Abraham said, my son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering can I tell you I can prove to you that these are the words of a man of faith that brought Jesus into the earth 
These are the first words of a man that spoke something out of his heart that was the will of God that caused God to step back and go, I created a human being in my image and my likeness. But sin came and destroyed our relationship. And now I got to gain back with somebody a relationship where blood can be sacrificed and we can come back together. And I can fellowship with him and walk with him in the cool of the day. And he'll obey my voice and he'll tend the garden and he'll take dominion. And he'll live like me. He'll speak as a creator, a co-creator with God. He'll speak as uh, Romans 4, non-existent things as though they already exist. Abraham, could you see him? God himself will provide a sacrifice. God goes, whoa, that man I just gave a son, and I asked him, listen to this, it's going to help you. I asked him for him back. Do you know in dedication what we do? We get kids, and we take them, and we give them back to God. That's what a dedication is. We say, Father, here's this child for your purpose and your use. We give them back to you. We are just a steward or a manager over these children till they come to the day of accountability where they know who Christ is. And we give them to you for your service to obey the will of God on the planet. Where is the burnt offering? Abraham's son God himself will provide a lamb for the burnt offering. So they went together. They came to the place where God told them, and Abraham built an altar there. Come on, say he built an altar. I want to be a church that gets good at building altars. How many know how to build an altar? Two people. And I'm not talking about something made out of wood and stone. The Bible says, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, which you have of God. You are not your own. You have been purchased with a price, the precious blood of Jesus. So guess what? Right here in this heart is an altar. And on that altar, there's decisions and choices made every day that where something needs to die. Maybe it's some pride. Maybe it's my opinion. Maybe it's an attitude. Maybe it's a heart issue. Maybe it's how I deal with my wife. Maybe it's how I raise my kids. Maybe it's how I, I have this. But, but God says every day when you wake up, a spirit of humility says in you what has to die to be more like him. What has to decrease so he can increase? What has to be sacrificed so you're not at the same level that you've been for the last 20 years? What do you need to sacrifice in your life? What do you need to give up that you love? Because you love someone much more. Here's what. Now, now he wasn't a baby. He's 13. He could outrun Abraham probably. 100-year-old man, see ya. You not put me on that altar. <laughs> I'm not dying. And can you imagine the mental anguish of the man going up the hill? You gave me this child. It took so many years. It's 38 years. I've been celebrating this miracle. And now you ask me to kill the miracle? How many know Abraham just took it as just like the word of God? One great man of faith in my life, Ken Hagen, used to say, God said it, I believe it, and that settles it. God said it, I believe it, and that's enough. Right? So go do it. Don't consult your mind. Probably not talk to your wife if you're killing 
your only son? Just go do it. Everyone say, just do it. They both went. And when they came to the place, he built an altar. Say, I'm going to build an altar. He laid the wood on it. He bound Isaac. I wonder if there's any struggle there that day. That's one of the first things I'm going to ask God to see a replay of when I get to heaven. What'd that boy do? I think his dad was telling him, just trust me, I heard from God. I tell my kids that all the time. Just trust me, I heard from God. Tell my wife that all, just trust me, I heard from God. And you know what? I'm not telling you I'm Superman of faith. I always walk out into that risk like, I'm trusting you, Lord. You got my back. You told me to give it. You told me to buy it. You told me to sell it. You told me to go for it. You told me to, that's it. There's a lot of risk involved, but by God, someone say by God. Abraham stretched forth his hand to kill his only son. It's a point I need to slow down and make. How well do you know God's voice? You sure he's telling you to do that? You sure he's telling you to buy that business? You sure he's telling you to marry that girl? You sure he's telling you to date that guy? Big deal, man. Last days, every decision counts. Some decisions take you off. Some decisions get you back on. But... What we teach on? Being led by the Holy Spirit. Are you led by the Spirit? Are you led by the Spirit? Romans 8, 14. The sons of God are led by the Spirit of God. He says, built the altar, laid the wood on the altar, bound his son Isaac, put him on the altar, stretched forth his hand to kill his only son, took the knife to slay his son. The angel of the Lord said unto him, Abraham, Abraham. He said, here I am. He said, don't touch the child. Don't lay a hand on the lad. Don't do anything to him. For I know that you fear me. Anyone read the book by John Berbeer, The Fear of God? The reverence? That's what fear is. I fear that I won't do the will of God. I'm concerned that I have this awe and reverence that I want to please my father. With anything in my life he asked for. Is that where you're at today? That's what worship is. He's asking for some of you to get your attitude on the altar and burn it up. He's asking for some of you today to change the way you think and get in the word. Burn that old life up. Some of you are saying, stop hanging out with that, those people. You need to put them on the altar and let it burn up. Those relationships, I was with Bill Shear for four or five days just spending time with him. And I keep going back to take responsibility. I keep take responsibility. Where are you at? Who are you with? Where you at? Who you with? I'll show your life in 20 years if you show me who you're hanging with. You're hanging with a good man. You guys are faith men. Let's go, right? Where you at? Who you with? Hang around a bunch of negative, depressed, non-faith people that don't believe they're full. I'm like, Abraham, why are you going to kill your child? That can't be God talking you out of the blessing. Why you give a tenth of all you have to God talking you out of God's favor on your life? Don't do it. You give 10%? No, I don't. I give 20 now. Why? Because when you serve God and you obey, it keeps growing and going. When you listen to his voice, he's got a plan to prosper you and let you be in health even as your soul prospers. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, to prosper you, to give you a hope and a future. There's nothing but brightness in your future when you're serving God and doing his will. And you're burning up the flesh and you're obeying God and you're worshiping him with your life. Obedience is the number one form of worship. Sacrificial obedience. 
Wow. Someone say, wow. wow. He said, and Abraham lifted up his eyes. See, when you do the will of God, I don't know why I'm stopping here. But when I'm telling somebody in this house today, I feel like Bishop Jakes for about 30 seconds. Get ready, get ready, get ready. I feel it up in here. But I'm telling you right now, this is for somebody. You've struggled in your provision because you haven't given your little bit. That widow's mite got her in a whole new revelation. She gave everything. Some of you are living a hard life. And you're in lack and you're living in not enough because you don't trust God. You say, why is that important here? Abraham could have said, you know who Abraham is. This dude was loaded, right? You studied Abraham's life? Wealthiest guy on the planet ever. Multi-billions, cattle, flocks and herds, silver and gold. Could he have been tempted to go? Can we just do a truckload of gold bars as an offering, Lord? Can we take some of the cattle for an offering like you're used to doing? Can we take some of the sheep, the lambs? I want him. I want Isaac. I want your firstborn, only born. I want your everything. That boy was everything to him. And Abraham made a decision of obedience. He's yours. And here's, the, here's, the, here's, here's why I believe Abraham's the one that first inspired God with his faith to bring Jesus into the earth. Because as he went up that hill, you say, oh, crap. That, that, that's a funny word. We moved my mom into her new house a couple of two some years ago. We walked in with a video. We go, Mimi, you're in your new home. How do you feel? And she goes, like, crap. <laughs> we just, we, re, we watched that again. We started laughing. She was working and working and working. But you say, that, that's what people see. Abraham, I'm going to give the biggest offering of my life. I'm going to give the miracle that God gave me. And I just can't believe that God wants me to do this. Going up the hill full of negativity. I could give some sheep, some lambs, some that. God said, I want him. So we picture this guy going up with a long beard and a robe. All depressed and mad. The Bible says, ready? The Bible says he saw a vision. John 8. He saw a vision. You know what he was believing that day? He was a man of faith. He was believing, I'm going to get to go to the top of the hill with my son. God wants me to kill him. And the God that gave me this son first, he'll just give me another son. So what did he believe? He believed the death, the burial, and the resurrection. All on one journey. He, the Bible says he saw in a, wow. He saw in a vision. The Bible says he was going to kill his son and stand back and watch God raise him to life again. That's what he believed. So he went up that hill with, with Hebrews 1. Ready? Hebrews 1. Or excuse me, Hebrews 11.1. 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not yet revealed to the senses. Faith is the substance of these things I hope for. The evidence of things that aren't yet revealed to the senses. That I hear a word from God, I believe a word from God, and I see it. That's why it says he lifted up his eyes. And guess what? Mount Moriah, if you've been to Israel, is a couple thousand feet below in the mountain range of Golgotha. 
Golgotha, and he says, in this hill, he will be seen and he will be known as Jehovah Jireh, the one who provides the ultimate sacrifice for you. Sorry, I got to calm down. For humanity in this mountain range. I've been there. I've seen it. I looked up. I was standing with Mike Hayes. I was like, by the way, come to Israel with us. Mike's coming. Pastor Shear's coming. We got 20 pastors. It's going to be awesome. We have so much revelation. It's going to be mind-blowing. But I stand there with Mike Hayes, both in tears. There's Moriah. There's Mount Moriah. And you can look over in Israel and see Golgotha. It still looks like a skull, the mount of the skull where Jesus died. And he says, in this mountain range, he will be seen. He will be known as Jehovah Jireh. Do you know your God as the one who provides? You say, why are you worshiping today? Never have I seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. He is good and merciful, and his, his mercy endures forever. Even in the death of my father, there was some goodness that God used it to do something in me. And when he died, I died. Something in me died. But every time there's a death, there's always a resurrection of better things. In this mountain, he will be seen as Jehovah Jireh. And the Bible says that he saw afar off Jesus. And he saw it. And it says he rejoiced to see our day. And he was glad. Wait a minute. Abraham believed in the death, the burial, the resurrection of. Why, why does the Bible say this five times? Take your son, your only son. Because now the faith that moves mountains is the faith that moves the heart of God. To do anything that's possible, sorry, to him that believes. And Abraham went, and he took the ram in a thicket. Can I tell you, no matter what I've been through in life, no matter how hard the circumstances, there's always a ram caught in the thicket. There's always the provider. Firstborn, take your firstborn exodus, male lamb, a ram to be the sacrifice. And do you know that that sacrifice was a type of Jesus God made a ram, a substitute for Isaac, his only son. And God's heart was moved to say, I'm going to, in the fullness of time, I'm going to give my only son as a sacrifice. Every time I turn around, as I am right now, God give us a new East Campus. I got 20 phone calls. Somebody called me while I was in Florida. And then one of the, Jensen Franklin said in our little pastor's meeting, get ready for the phone call. Someone's calling you. There's a ram in the thicket. Get ready. God's got a provision. For, God's got a provision for you. God's got a provision for you. God's got a provision. He sees your faithfulness. He sees your faith. He doesn't see you temporary. He doesn't see your new lips, your new hips, your new clothes. He just sees your faith. 
He wants to see your faith activated in the form of, I love you, Lord. I praise you, Lord. I get, what can you give unto the Lord? The Bible says in Isaiah, heaven is his, his throne. The earth is his footstool. What are you going to give God? And all he wants is your heart and your praise and your whole life. Money doesn't even matter when he has your heart. What are you going to give God? We, this side of eternity, there's only one thing we can give. Heart of worship. Heart of an obedient lifestyle. Listen to what he says here. He looked and behold, caught in the thicket by his horns. I can tell you right now, I prophesy to you, there's a ram in your thicket. There's some provision where it doesn't look like. There's some breakthrough where it doesn't seem like it. There's a new building for this. There's 600 parking spaces. There's 1,200 seats. It's caught. There's a ram in my thicket because God loves you. It's not about me. It's about you. It's about your friends. It's about Vinny's friends. It's about your friends and the people that are getting ready to come to Jesus. That's why we need it. Not for a man. It's to have a bigger altar so there can be more deaths to self. I'm crucified with Christ. I don't live, but Christ liveth in me. The life that I now live, I live by what? Faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. He offered this burnt offering instead of his son. God called the name of that place. Someone say Jehovah Jireh. In this mountain, the Lord will be seen. As I wind down today, what's a, I just got my introduction done. As I wind down today, what's a life of obedience? What's a life of sacrifice look like? When you worship God and you live by faith and you believe Hebrews 11.1 1, and then you look at verse 6 right here, Hebrews 11.6, without faith. Why does he call him our father in the faith? Worship is by faith. It's not by feelings. Well, when I feel something, I'll worship God. That's not faith. When, when, when I'll dance if everyone else does. That's not faith. I think that I could lift my hands for a little bit. As a little kid, I used to stand on the road. My mom would look over. We'd go like this. She'd look the other way. We'd put our hands down. She'd look over, and finally we just got too tired. I'd sit down and go to sleep in the revival meeting. She'd get up, stand up, put your hands up. Well, that, that's good training as a kid, but now I have to understand the obedience of the worship from the heart. Not because mama said, but because he's doing a work inside of me, and he's providing next level. Why? Why, 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 why do you? Because listen, if you... If you're not in obedience to the will of God with your life, you're probably not going to worship anyway. You hear me? You hear me? Why do you keep having sex with that dude? I just love the Lord. You don't. Why do you keep going out to those bars? Why do you keep, you know, the world's full of wacky weed. Everywhere you go, it smells like you could just go, you could stand in the restroom in airports and get high. I'm going to the restroom. I'm like, this is like I'm getting a buzz just standing here. Yeah, I just, I just don't feel good. I just, I just, pastor, it's hard. Life's hard. I need something to take the edge off. Praise the Lord. I need a drink. I need to go to happy hour. You know what? You got to come out from the world and be separate. 
Your worship is a holy life. Your worship's a life of obedience. Your worship's not hanging out with tool bags or hoochie mamas. Your life is a life that is aligned with the right people in the right places because God has a plan for you. Get in your place, get in your space. Stop the old life. Someone say amen to that. Where was I at anyway? But, but, but look at Hebrews 11.6. I got to. Hebrews 11.6. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Those who come to God must believe that he is. And he's a tremendous. I can tell you. If I could sit here right now and tell you about the goodness of God. I could stand here 12 hours and tell you. And I could name physical things and stuff and this and that and the other and finally that's not what any of this is about and people have mistaken this this is about a connection where you come back to a relationship in the heart of worship where I've been in Paul and Silas situations where nothing's gone my way but we teach that so flippantly but at the midnight hour they had something in their heart. What are you getting, Paul? What are you getting, Silas? I just got a song, man. I know my back's bloody. I know I'm bleeding. I know this doesn't feel well. I know that guy betrayed you, Pastor. I know he lied on you. I know in the midnight hour when you're crying and you're toiling and you're working. But God, you say, how do you shift the atmosphere? The, 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 the whole house here and the prisoners are in here. But it's midnight, man, and things look dark. Saul... Paul, Silas, I got a song in my heart. You see, true worship doesn't just happen on the mountaintop. In fact, in my life, the greatest form of faith worship is in the valley. You are defined who you are in your valleys. When I was at McGee Women's Hospital, and I, I felt so cold inside when that three some month old baby was not developed and they put that sonogram on the child's heart and there was no boom 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 and I, I kind of feared and the lady looked over at my wife I was standing back and she went child child's not alive and I, I started consulting my mind this can't be this can't happen I believe God I trust God I'm a man of faith I'm, it just can't and then when they confirmed it I walked to that water fountain and I got all sweaty and clammy this is impossible I'm a man of faith and power and then my mind started saying man sad and then my spirit kicked in with what is the will of God. And the word popped up like a big screen, like it will right now in Thessalonians, 2 Thessalonians 5.18. I said, Holy Spirit, what am I going to do? I was using my faith to speak something into existence. And I was walking to get a drink of water, and the Lord said, Rejoice 
And again I say rejoice. Shift this situation. Pray without ceasing in every, not for everything, but in every valley, in every situation, in everything give thanks for. This is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. And so you know what I did? Come on, band. You know what I did? I took a little time for a praise dance. I took a little time and God looked down and he said, you got a dead baby girl, three and a half months, but there's my son praising me in the midst of the prison at his midnight hour. He made a choice to rejoice. You got to make that choice. You say, what's praise look like? Some of y'all came here today and you... I woke up and I thought, what am I going to do? I can't wear a soccer shirt to church, so I'll put a coat over it. And the Lord said, it's not about the coat. It's about a garment of praise. I said, I will be patriotic today with red, white, and blue. And I'll cover up someone who thinks I'm the number one pastor. Because humility has to be on the altar. But the Bible says, put on the garment. How easy is this? Put on the garment of praise. Never take it off. And the spirit of heaviness will be gone. Disappointment will be gone. Deception will be gone. Because in his presence, is fullness of joy. And I'm not praising out of something bad happened. I'm praising out of in my heart. I know the character of God like Abraham. I remember working for three years, three years feverishly, never said a word to anyone till a couple months ago to buy the North American Martyrs building. Big parking spaces, over a thousand seat auditorium. And the guy told us as our board walked through, you were with me. Make an offer and just buy it. Two million, 2.3 million, 50, whatever it takes. I walked by, I claimed it, I believed God. And the guy walked into another entity, which happened to be a hospital, and told them, we got a bidder, you got to outbid them, which is illegal to do. And they bought it a couple months ago for $50,000 more than we offered so in a legal real estate deal, someone used us to be a pawn to drive the price higher. And disappointment can set in. And then the Lord said, I have something better. And I drove by and I said, I can be deceived. I don't really care. Everything works together for the good to those that love and are called according to the purpose of God. In every situation, rejoice. What's the will of God for our lives? Pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks. This is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. What if we could keep that garment of praise on? What if we could be a church that would rejoice in everything? What if we could be the people that no matter what happens, we're, we're giving thanks, we're praising, we're rejoicing, and we're shifting the Pittsburgh region because it's the will of God. 
How do you shift these situations? How do you put on, come up here, worship team. How do you put on the garment of praise? In the 70s, we used to sing that song, remember, Mother? Put on the garment of praise for the Spirit. I'm losing my voice right now really bad. I shouldn't have shouted so much. Forgive me. Lift up your voice to God. Pray in the Spirit. And with understanding, oh, magnify the Lord. Put on the garment of praise. Can we be his church? That's a temple of the Holy Spirit that learns to die on an altar because the older I get and the more mature I get in the spirit, you know what our lives are? They're a cloud, they're a vapor, they appear for a little bit. Can we be a living sacrifice? And I'm going to read this last scripture and we're going to shout and praise. Ready? And it actually was one of the first ones that I didn't even read, but let's read it. I want you to see this and we're going to worship. It's in Hebrews 13, verse 15. So we no longer offer up a steady stream of blood sacrifices. No cows, no bullocks, no birds, no turtle doves. But look at this. But through Jesus, we offer up to God a steady stream of of praise sacrifices. These are the lambs we offer from our lips that celebrate. One translation says these are the calves of our lips. How many want God to have a sacrifice today? I'm going to continue this next week. Don't miss. And Wednesday night I'm going to be teaching how to get free by getting in his presence. But, but can I tell you? What's the new modern-day New Testament sacrifice? Get on your garment right now. Stand up right now. Stand up right now. We don't give blood sacrifice. Here's a sacrifice. Ready? Your mind's telling you, you don't even know if you're going to, you might lose your house today. You don't know what to do. Your wife tells you, I want a divorce. You don't know what to do. Money's not coming in like it used to. You don't know what to do. Your kid's out there living like the devil. You don't know what to do. I know what to do. <laughs> Shift the environment. Shift the atmosphere. Put on the garment of praise and the spirit of heaviness will be gone from you. Let's do a song. Come on. Let's praise. Let's shout. Let's sing. <laughs>